0: you're listening to the data point podcast brought to you by the hindu i'm your host sonika loganathan last month the annual status of education report 2022 was released The annual report surveys whether children in rural India are enrolled in school and what their learning levels are. This year, ACER's survey found that students are still struggling to reach the learning levels that are required of them at a particular grade. Southern, Central, and Western states in particular saw significant discrepancy in their students' ability to carry out simple arithmetic calculations when compared to the results seen in northern and eastern states. While the survey results looks at students who are still fairly young, like class 5 and class 8, these are still vital foundational years and ones that solidify a student's grasp on a subject. So if a student's foundation is rocky, what happens as they continue to move to higher grades and then go to university? We attribute a lot of this to the COVID-19 pandemic, and of course, the impact that COVID had on education and the subsequent learning loss is significant. But previous Acer reports show a trend where scores have generally been declining over the past few years. So what is the long-term impact of this decline in learning levels? Are students able to cope with the demands of higher education once they finish school? And if these students don't have the foundational skills they need, Are we producing employable graduates? To understand these issues better, I spoke to Dr. Tapas Roy, a mechanical engineer from IIEST Sippur, who also teaches university-level mechanical and management science, and Dr. Anupam Pachauri, a policy researcher in education with more than two decades of experience as a higher education professional who currently works at the Center for Policy Research in Higher Education of the National Institute of Educational Planning and Administration. Both of their views are their own and not affiliated with their institutions. Both have done extensive research in the higher education sphere. So before getting to the longer term consequences, I wanted to unpack the extent to which COVID is responsible for these losses. Anupam says that COVID did have a major part to play, but you have to zoom out a little bit.
1: Let's put it in some context of what Acer has found out almost a decade earlier. And then also we find that the students' levels of learning are not up to the expected levels as defined in the curriculum. What does that mean? There are issues. Of course, recently COVID is one reason which has affected lives of the people, health, uh, employment, as well as how the... Uh, Education has to be, you know, uh, the business of education uh, goes on in the school on a routine basis and in the lives of children and their families is one major reason. Uh, But we need to understand what is happening in uh, what has happened in this decade when we say that the students' levels of learning are are falling. Uh, We... The recent data, and I have not very deeply analyzed the current uh, ACER report data, uh, we see that the northern states have fared better. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that the states are doing differently? That is the question we need to understand. It's not that the curriculum is very heavy that the students can't cope with it, but what is the new policy focus? The focus is now on foundation, numeracy, and learning, you know? If the... Focus in on the basics, and we are trying to understand these basics on the basis of testing and testing. So much of testing has increased in last one decade that the teachers are now maybe teaching to test. This has been said earlier, that the teachers are preparing students to appear in these examinations, in these standardized tests. So even if the students are Writing something or performing in exams. In some of the, uh, for example, another exam uh, exam which uh, the NCERT conducts is the National Achievement Survey, where the students are doing quite well. In southern states, it's below the national average, but fairly close to it. The recent NAS 21 data. So, to, so as to say that we need to focus on what is the policy focus how that policy is being implemented at the school level. Are we moving the focus away from education to testing, to standardized tests? And if students are able to cope with it, in an average school, how many tests the student give in a week? And we know from our urban experience, from the urban middle-class families, the the type of schools the students go to, they're always, there is test the other day so is the focus shifting from learning to actually testing in many of the states the states have a, it's the central government policy as well as the state policy where multiple ways of learning have been introduced into the classroom
0: so anupam says that covid's impact came through in large part due to the realization of just how big the digital divide is and how limited the access to internet and technology is in rural India, where teachers had to also adapt to this new technology and way of teaching.
1: I would say that in the 2022, the results that we are verifying, the recent learning experience of the students in schools has been very limited. They had issues related to COVID, but this testing, as the ESA report itself, I was reading some chapters of it and it said, Uh, the students were tested when they were six months into school, after opening of schools. And that is a very little time when there has been a learning loss of almost two uh, and a half years. So Mm -hmm. going for this testing, there is a limitation. What ASER has definitely done has highlighted that there is a learning loss, but we need to then as policy makers, as institution uh, leaders, as teachers need to then understand that where we need to put our inputs. Is it about uh, performance and test achievements, or it is about the learning experience of students at the school level.
0: So now that we've got a bit of context, I want to know what happens once students make that transition from a school student to a university student. If a student lacks foundational skills in a subject like mathematics, but they want to pursue engineering, for example, which is a mathematics-heavy subject, how would they go about doing that? And as they do it, are they performing to the level that they would need to in you know, maybe a pre-pandemic world? Thapa says that the problem is multifold.
2: I, I would rather put it uh, in three stages. Point number one, that... Uh, If they have not pursued the maths properly at the school level, engineering admission test is heavily maths dependent. There are a lot of maths in the entrance exam. So most likely they are going to be affected at the entrance level itself. Normally all admission tests are maths dependent and there is a huge quotient of mathematics uh, proficiency in engineering admission test whether it is in central universities or in the state universities.
0: Anupam adds that entrance exams really don't represent a student's academic skills or ability. I think something which
1: commonly everyone knows. These entrance exams are not tests of merit. We know that the gross enrollment ratios have risen. Uh, despite this COVID experience, the recent ISHA, the All India Survey of Higher Education data, shows that enrollments have increased. Although the enrollments have decreased in the, uh, the, the engineering courses, but the enrollments have definitely uh, increased in liberal art courses across several years. And the role of these entrance exams, therefore, has to you know screen out when there is a lot of demand and the supply is limited. So these uh, entrance exams are actually screening out. But again, we know there are coaching uh, cities, you know, uh, which teach students how to pass those exams, how to achieve better results. And we also know of the challenges that poses on the mental health of the students, lives of the students. And even when they enter these institutions, the kind of challenges uh, it poses on their uh, institutional experiences and their confidence and their, uh, 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 their
0: learning outcomes later on. So thousands of students still, you know, end up making it into engineering courses. But Tapas says that that doesn't really translate
2: to employability. I'm going by the macro level. that yeah. We have 1.5 million people, uh, seats available for engineering studies. Out of that, normally your education minister was telling that some, something around 8 lakhs or so even AICT records also says that. So the out of 15 lakhs, about 8 lakhs get admitted. There is a precarious condition for the engineering colleges to, to attract students because we have increased the number to a disproportionate number. After you have liberalized it and there was a craze that uh, came in that even for the uh, very average students, they could have a decent life after pursuing engineering. And engineering education can be purchased in private engineering colleges. So all these phenomena have led to uh, huge growth in engineering colleges, disproportionate to the requirement. So today there is a very interesting situation that you have 15 lakhs seats officially which uh, education minister said, 12.53 lakhs. So already 2.5 lakh seats have been surrendered. Now, apart from this, he himself is saying that uh, you are getting admission is not more than 8 lakhs. So 33% out of that seats goes vacant. So, and 88% of the seats available for engineering study is belongs to private sector who can only make it viable provided students take admission. So if they are finicky in getting the students maths grade or any other grade for that matter or even the joint entrance exam results, they may not get the students. So the situation today is that if you have money, you can get admitted. So it is more on how do I get more students to make the institutes viable, keep it running, because there is a lot of issues that comes in here. So this is one issue that uh, you are uh, helpless in really focusing on the math's proficiency, which is a basic requirement. And number two issue that comes here, I think that will be uh, very interesting to in this regard to discuss that out of this 8 lakhs get admitted, as per Niti Ayog data, 48% students are unemployed. Engineering students are unemployed, is 48%. And I don't know what you are going to study in future. But I can tell you that these are the issues. If engineering students, then why we have, first of all, 15 lakhs seats available, 8 lakhs admission and 48% engineering students. So how many man days you are losing in this process? 48% Nithya Ayoga is saying, I am not saying the other informal data that comes in the newspapers and all that. Niti Aayog is saying engineering students' uh, unemployment is 48 percent last year, 21-22. So, with this type of scenario, you, you know, all these uh, basic issues of uh, maths proficiency becomes an issue.
0: The result is that many engineering students end up getting, or even pursuing, jobs that don't require specialized mathematics skills.
2: Current situation is 2.5 lakhs out of 2.5 lakhs, 2.2 lakhs goes into IT jobs and 30,000 goes into core engineering subjects. And out of this 2.2 lakhs, only 40,000 does technical jobs. And 1.8 lakhs. does support services, does not require mathematics. Now, look at this. It's something like, uh, you know, in my school days, we had a joke that uh, a monkey has to climb up in a bamboo. And it's an oily bamboo and it slips and goes down. Now, uh, one naughty boy asked the teacher, why should monkey go up in the ladder? With this slippery bamboo, unless there is a banana on the top of it. Now, if there is no banana, why should the students study mathematics? You know this, in spite of the fact that the, it is an maths heavy uh, your um, subject. But basically, they are unable to link it because out of the two point five lakh technical job. You are actually saying 1.8 lakhs. 30,000 goes to core engineering, I leave it. So only 30, students does little bit technical jobs, which requires mathematics. They are high paying jobs. And I'm saying I'm categorizing them that anything more than 8 to 10 lakhs. Institute where I teach and I have contacted after you gave me an a very interesting thing to study, I contacted some of my students who are in, employed in different industries and they said they are not using mathematics. They are all, they are saying that only 10% of the students, which comes to the same figure here with this ratio, only 10% of the students, they use a little bit of coding or some application of mathematics, which are important. Most of the students, they get employed in support services, which are routine in nature, and it can be taught to do the same job by the IT companies, irrespective of whether they had a good mathematical background.
0: Anupam adds that a lot of this also comes down to the fact that students are lacking learning experience, which hinders them from even knowing how to learn certain skills, hits their confidence, and makes it difficult for them to compete with students from more acclaimed institutions. Now what happens when the students go through a course
1: without enough learning experience or without, uh, I would say, quality learning environment at the institutional level, they first, they, they may get degrees, but they, they are not aware of the disciplinary uh, complexities they are, uh, they do not, and because they are not aware of that, they are not well versed with it, they also lack confidence in, uh, otherwise we see now our students are very much digital media savvy, you know, they have their Insta Reels and everything, then what is the challenge now? The challenge is that the students, if they are not very confident about the subject area, uh, they'll their lack in the learning experiences; they do not have enough variety of learning experience according to their own disposition as well. Then that is going to affect what uh, their work environment. Other question is that the work uh, ma- the market is also becoming very volatile. The, we, the higher education institutions have to provide skills related to critical thinking application of what knowledge they have but every time according to the market requirement that is not possible there comes the role of the uh, job providers to have then training programs and you know induction programs according to the requirements some institutions some good uh, institutions do that Many other uh, job providers, they just screen and then select. But we know there have been several studies by international organizations, financial institutions, that the graduates are not learning enough uh, according to the job market requirement. So there is this challenge. We have seen these uh, also reflected in shutting down of many engineering colleges in southern Indian states, where there were many private higher education institutions. Uh, A, because the engineering graduates could not compare with, for example, an IIT graduate uh, in the job market, B, There is also a shifting emphasis from the engineering courses to management courses. So many, even the IIT graduates, then they um, uh, do an MBA and end up in a management uh, kind of job. So we need to understand this nature of the market to do an analysis of that, that in which direction the jobs are. Now with uh, a recent, kind of inclination seems to be going towards AI and, you know, uh, the related field. So how the students, uh, whether is it necessary for uh, students who have uh, training in mathematics only uh, that they will be uh, suitable for these kinds of jobs or anyone can be part of it? And what are the various aspects uh, uh, of uh, this job market uh, that we need to understand and analyze?
0: Both Anupam and Tapas agree that artificial intelligence and machine learning will be the fields in need of skilled engineers. But that doesn't necessarily mean that students are being taught those skills.
2: The normal students, they are in this field where the mathematics is least required. So they are not directly, they are not directly correlating the maths heavy course as an important thing. When I'm trying, trying to make them familiar with the designing, a mechanical design, it's basically nothing but geometry. Geometry is a part of, geometry and trigonometry are part, and there are softwares which helps you, but you must have a geometrical knowledge. But the student's first question is, Sir, humko mein help karega? is it going to help me in getting a job? So if that does not help him or her in getting a job, why waste energy on this? The future lies in AI and ML. There are more than 5 million jobs available across the world in AI and ML, which is completely, I would rather say, grouted on mathematical proficiency. Mathematics is a part of our curriculum, engineering curriculum. Mathematics is taught. But it's taught as a part of basic science. Like physics, like chemistry, like mathematics, like biology. Now the students look at it at the same level. But mathematics too engineering mathematics, there is a journey. There's a gap. And this gap, the mathematics teacher who is proficient in mathematics, the topic that he or she teaches or uh, she has studied are your theoretical mathematics.
1: Hmm.
2: It's not engineering mathematics. So what happens? She cannot connect mathematics with the engineering study that the student is going to do, how it is going to help. There is no connection. So it remains as a basic science and like any other basic science, you don't get a job by learning basic science in engineering. So you don't give a lot of importance to this. Even things like, which we, we insist that the statistics, probabilities, these are, you know, you cannot avoid if you are an engineer. And even in the managerial role, that becomes very important. Even there also, they think that it is not, not related to my getting a job. So, this as, a, as such, I would put it this way, that our academic orientation mm. of mathematics should be engineering maths. There should be a, some branch in mathematics teaching which should be engineering maths rather than maths. Now the question is the teacher who is teaching, she is not expert in programming. She is an expert in maths. So she cannot create that uh, interest among the Mm -hmm. students to learn maths as an important subject. So they go to the shell, never comes out. And you get students, you get engineers whom you blame is not employable.
0: So on the one hand, you see that universities need to find a way to make sure that they have enough students coming in so that they can remain profitable and, you know, in accordance with that entrance exam scores are either overlooked or not given as much importance. Then on the other hand, you see that the jobs available don't require the skills that engineers learn because there just aren't enough engineering focused jobs available. And that's something that could at least partially be solved if investments in AI and ML are made. So then in the middle, you have the students who, you know, know enough to get into college, but not necessarily enough to become engineers in the workforce. During this time, this transition from college to school and, you know, a whole new pedagogy, what do students experience? What is the dynamic between the student and the subject once they're in university?
2: That's a very interesting situation. When they come in, they, they, are, they have two situations that, that we normally face. Let me put it this way. The students, uh, when they find that it is going beyond their head, initially they try to understand if they fail, they have some kind of an, uh, I would rather say inferiority complex. Mm. So they go to their shell and they don't open out. Now, that happens, what happens? And even if the topic uh, beyond mathematics, uh, mathematics heavy, when it goes into a simple understanding, even there also, their mind doesn't work because they had already gone to the shell. So this is affecting their quality. You know, we are, we are saying that only uh, uh, 5% students are employable, 25% students are employable minister is saying that 30 percent students are employable We have improved employability but the basic issue is that those students they go to their shell
0: anupam adds that a student's ability to handle the demands of their degrees course has less to do with the students but more on the institution's ability to provide necessary support
1: see students cope to the extent that they are able to cope otherwise they either drop out or then there are other fatal uh, you know, uh, outcomes of not being able to cope. But that is not the question, whether the students are able to cope or not. The question is whether the higher education institutions are realizing that students are not able to cope. Are there mechanisms at the higher education institutional level that they understand, analyze the situation and have enough support programs designed to support students who are not able to cope? The world is very easy if you simply push out people out uh, of the system, if they're not able to cope. But what the civilization, the history of civilization shows us that the the weakest is also able to survive and participate is one major indicator of a civilized society. So that's what, if the higher education institutions say that they are the best institutions in the country, or they want to become better uh, uh, the way uh, from, you know, I'm not talking about the league table rankings and all, but I'm simply saying the assertion that higher education institutions make that they are the seat of learning, higher learning, and they uh, they, they want to do better for society, then that commitment has to show in the programs, not the regular courses or curricula that are run, but how they support the higher edu- uh, the students who are not performing up to the level who are not able to cope. And therefore, there has to be sensitization at the level of the all the kind of institutional stakeholders, even the parents. Parents also put pressure on students that why you are not performing. There has to be uh, proper counseling for students, uh, for the parents as well, to, to not opt for the course, which is not of the interest of the student. Uh, if the student has some interest but is not able to cope with the challenges of the course, then there has to be an institutional support program to support uh, to, to enable that uh, student to come up to that level. And there has to be flexibility there, therefore, in the way students uh, you know take their exams. a uh, so lot of flexibility has been brought in. The component uh, element of uh, flexibility is is claimed to be brought in through the new education policy 2020, but how is it implemented at the institutional level? What is the interpretation of that flexibility at the institutional level is a major question. And therefore, I would say that though it seems that students are not able to cope, I'm saying what are the institutions doing to help students cope?
0: That's it for this week's episode, but I'll be back soon with the next big data story. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major streaming platforms. You can also check out all of our data stories at thehindu.com data. Thanks for listening.